All right, this is Writing Excuses, episode five, Heroes and Protagonists. 15 minutes or less, because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. And I'm Howard. All right, let's get to it. Howard, what's the difference between a hero and a protagonist? Uh, Brandon, I have a confession to make. When right. you emailed the topic around earlier today, I looked at that question and realized I didn't know what the difference was. Um, so I'm sitting here at the table with a pair of English majors, Brandon and Dan, yep. and I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm, uh, well, and I saw this coming. So I sat down and uh, asked the question of my, my favorite professor, Professor Google. Mm. Just typed into the Google search bar, what is the difference between a hero and a protagonist? And the top search result uh, dropped me in the blog of John August, who described actually the difference between the hero, the protagonist, and the main character. Okay. And to, so to sum up what I learned from Google, and boy, I, I hope Google's right, uh, because I use him for a lot of things. Um, the hero is the person whose action moves the story forward. Uh, the main character is the person uh, through whose perspective the story is, is told. Okay. And the protagonist is the person who really goes on a trip, who, who gets a character arc. Usually, they're all three the same people, mm -hmm. uh, but they don't have to be. Yeah, I can think of a lot of ex examples where the main character is the eyes through whom we're seeing. It's not actually the person who's doing the, the heroing, I suppose. A really good example of that would be the movie Shawshank Redemption, okay, where yeah. the main character is certainly... Um, uh, what's his name? Yeah, the, Morgan the Freeman. white guy. <laughs> good, good. But, no, Morgan Freeman. Yeah, Morgan Freeman. The main character. He's the main character. That's the what, that's what I meant. Story. Whereas the Tim Robbins is the hero. He's the one who does all the stuff. But the main character is definitely Morgan Freeman because yeah. he's the one who changes. He's, he's the also one... the protagonist then, by Howard's yeah. definition. Um, I've always heard it uh, in my classes that a protagonist um, does not have to be heroic. The protagonist, right. and so in my, my mind, the distinction comes the protagonist, and in my head, I was putting protagonist and, and main character together. This is the person through whose eyes we're seeing, and a hero would be someone who is doing something heroic, which we want to emulate or which we admit as, as the highest um, sort of attributes of mankind as being exemplified. And in uh, John August's blog, the example that he used was the screenplay that he wrote for uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tim Burton, the, the Tim Burton film, um, and he said that uh, Charlie, uh, wonderful little boy, is our main character, and he is our hero, but our protagonist is Willy Wonka, because yeah. he's the one who gets, he's the one who gets the arc. And he's not doing anything particularly heroic. No, he's not very heroic. Yeah. He's mm -hmm. creepy. Yeah, yeah, rather creepy. Now, now there's, there's a point, I think, at which all of these uh, definitions become... Um, too pedantic to be useful. Yeah. I remember when I was in seventh grade, my English teacher, who I love, by the way, if you ever happen to listen to this, um, she was teaching us about the difference between heroes and protagonists and main characters and told us that the hero of the Star Wars trilogy was not Luke Skywalker because he didn't get the girl in the end. <laughs> and I decided that any definition of heroism that did not include Luke Skywalker was a stupid definition. Um, and so I, that, you know, however, however you're defining these things, Keep in mind that whoever defined them has no more authority to define them than you do, really. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that was my favorite part of the, uh, the John August blog post. Bear in mind, the extent of my education <laughs> on this subject is the John August blog entry on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, where he said, don't let these definitions get in the way of telling a yeah. good story. Um, 
he described writing the story and discovering that he was short a protagonist. Mm -hmm. And that was where Willy Wonka's character arc act actually emerged when mm -hmm. he started pitching it to Tim Burton. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, before I forget, yeah. I'm going to call a can of worms on internet research. At uh -huh, some point, okay. we definitely need to do can a podcast on that. Got it written down. Since I like to use Professor Wikipedia on occasion, <laughs> um, we'll throw him against Professor Google and see who comes out on top. But um, let's move on to another topic. Let's just assume for the remainder of this podcast, when we let's just ball them up in one. Main character, protagonist, hero. We can divide that up later. You can do what you want with that. But for now, when I say hero, I'm kind of meaning all three. Okay. And so let's talk about the difference between, between as, as writers, the different types of heroes that you see in, um, in books and stories and which ones you like the most um, and how to write them. So is there a difference between an everyman hero and a superman hero, Dan? Yes, there is. And uh, this is actually one of my favorite topics on the subject of writing and for that matter, on the subject of role-playing, anything that involves characters. Um, what, what I, the, way, the way I like to explain this is when Superman saves the world, that's not especially interesting to me because Superman always saves the world. He's very good at it. But when Jimmy Olsen, the photographer, saves the world, that's really cool because he doesn't have the skills. He doesn't have the background. It's very hard for him. It uh, is very okay, unexpected. Then I'm going to... Why do people like Superman then? Well, why they like is Superman, Superman successful? Superman is successful in my mind actually because they give him other stories in which he's doing other things. In he, the early he's, days, he's not he wasn't. saving the world. He was very popular, never having any sort of internal angst, always just showing up, beating the bad guys and done. That's true. So why was he successful? Because that's what people wanted at that time. And, and okay. I'm, I, there's still certainly people who want that today. Um, you know, when you are a uh, young Jewish kid living in New York in the early 30s and 40s, that's what you wanted. You wanted Superman to go beat the crap out of Nazis, which he did frequently. Yeah. Um, that's just one example. But it, it, there's a level of escapism where you want an infallible hero to destroy everything. Um, and save the day and win the girl. And then there's other types of stories mm -hmm. uh, that require a more conflicted main character. And Superman, okay. in his defense, has had many of those as well. Okay. Anything to add, Howard? Well, coming from a comic books background, yeah. I, I'm tempted to call can of worms on Superman <laughs> <Yeah>. himself. <laughs> All right. Because there's so much to be said mm -hmm. just about him. All right. Absolutely. Let's get off of Superman, though. And Dan says that, um, that people he thinks don't necessarily want that as much now. Um, I look at that and say, maybe, but what about Dirk Pitt? Have you ever read any of the Clive Cussler novels? <laughs> yeah. Clive Cussler is, is infallible. He is. Um, and there, he does not have a character arc in a given book. He is simply Dirk Pitt. And yeah. those books are wildly successful. So why are we reading them? Or why are people reading them? Why is this hero successful? I have no idea. Well, I'm reading them because I really want to find out about the Nazi clone army that lives under the Antarctic ice shelf. Yeah, I've, yeah I've, the protagonist in those yeah. stories seems to be archaeological science. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the discovery, <laughs> there, is this, there is this discovery to be made. Dirk mm -hmm. isn't going to change. He's going to meet a beautiful woman and he's going to sleep with her a lot. Not and usually. We're gonna meet... No, no, not usually. Dirk Pitt doesn't, doesn't necessarily usually do that. Considering I've only read yeah. two. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm at a disadvantage let's, again. Let's, let's get off. Um, let's go to something that we all know a little bit better: um, Lord of the Rings, Aragorn. 
When, yeah, I found it very interesting when the, the movie adaptations happened that Aragorn was giving a, given a character arc when in the books I never really saw one for him. He yeah. was, in my mind, a superman. He always knew he was going to be king. He didn't regret becoming king. He did not, there, there was no, no I, oh, I won't make a good king. Yet the movies, they added that in. And I um, think it was a good, I think it was a good decision. We mm -hmm. need, in order to, in order to really connect with a story, I feel like the reader has to be able to see a little bit of him or herself in the story. And while we all want to be, or, or should want to be, heroic, uh, we are also all flawed. Mm -hmm. And seeing heroes with flaws overcome those flaws makes them even more heroic. Okay. The, the inner quest yeah. is as important as the, the outer quest. I, you know, I've thought about this a lot, um, and I've, I've often wondered this, and I, I actually, despite my kind of belligerence earlier, agree with Dan. I think in an earlier era, we looked more for infallible heroes, and um, as, I don't know if it's just changing of our mores, or if it's changing of, um, as we, we've grown up and gotten more used to media and things like this, we've, um, we've looked toward flawed heroes. But I think the Superman hero was more popular. It doesn't mean it's not popular now. And I think the charm of the Superman hero is that they represent someone we would want to be. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they, they have powers or abilities which we wish, wish we could have. Certainly. Um, and, and we want to point out that at this point in the podcast when we say Superman, really we're talking about the Ubermensch yeah. ideal of right. an infallible exactly. hero. Mm -hmm. um, a, another good illustration of this, I talked about James Bond last time. Yeah. He's a great example yeah, of this as well. Mm -hmm. He was infallible for years and years and years, and then starting with Pierce Brosnan, they started adding flaws and adding flaws until uh, the most recent one. He's, he's a very flawed guy, yeah. and he overcomes those. And, and that they finally got that right, I think, in, in the recent ones, which is why it was so yeah. popular. With the Pierce Brosnan ones, I never bought the flaws. Uh, maybe as he was yeah. just too well, I think they archetypal were, of Bond. Yeah, that, they were still just going halfway yeah. on it. They mm -hmm. wanted him to be flawed and infallible at the same yeah. time. All right, so let's talk about the Everyman heroes then. Um, what, what makes them appealing? Uh, what, how do you write an Everyman hero that doesn't come off as just a wuss? Um, any, any thoughts on that, Howard? Well, the first thing you do is you don't give him a special forces, uber military, whatever background. Mm. You give him a background that is fairly ordinary, and then you put him in situations where some of the ordinary things that he has learned end up being really, really important. Mm. Mm -hmm. Science fiction, the, the, the science plays a role in yeah. science fiction. A computer nerd, a chemistry nerd, a sports statistics nerd who is put in a position where the thing that he is nerdy about yeah. actually helps move the story forward or save the day, that's what makes good science fiction. Hmm. That's, a, that's a great comment, Howard. That's that is a very good comment. Very lucid. Um, if, if I can, I, I feel guilty we're talking about movies for all our examples, but here's a yeah. wonderful example of this. I is, brought up Dirk Pitt. Uh, that, that's true. I okay. brought up Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, uh, Hotel Rwanda. Mm -hmm. That is about a guy who saves several political refugees from a massacre, from a genocidal massacre. And he doesn't do it because he's a warrior. He does it because he's a really good hotel manager. Mm. He uses his skills as a hotel manager to save these people's lives. That's kind of a, a very basic truncated reading of the movie, but that's essentially what mm. happens. That's, that's great. That's actually, you guys can start humming if you want, why I wrote the Alcatraz books. Mm. Um, yeah, because I wanted to write books about people who had realistic or powers that I thought I would have. 
Um, but yeah, so I've got people who have magical powers that are stupid things like arriving late to appointments. Um, but I, I think that that's the, the, the lucidity of that point um, is that uh, I think every hero in a book um, needs to be competent at something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We want, we like reading about people who are competent. We, we don't necessarily nowadays want most of our heroes to be supermen. Um, yet we do want them to be good at something. Yet we also want them to have flaws. Um, and you know what? I'm going to can a worm on the flaws versus handicaps and things. I think we should, we're going to need to do a couple more podcasts on heroes oh, yeah. and talking about flaws. Certainly. But what, what is the charm of that? Why, why when people, people are consistently asked which, who their favorite um, character in Lord of the Rings is, you guys know who always wins the polls? I would assume Sam. Sam. He always wins the polls. And I think this plays right into what Howard said, because what is, what is Sam's superpower? He gave the nice ring back. Guy. He's a nice guy. He's loyal. That's really what it comes down to is he's a good friend. And T- Tolkien wrote this book, where, or this series, where you have, you have Aragorn, who can slay a thousand orcs just you know, by blinking his eyes. You know, Gimli and Legolas, who are just essentially perfect renditions of their, their race. And yet, the one that people are most attracted to is the guy who's only, you know, his only real power is that he's a really good friend. Um, and yet he becomes the hero of the entire trilogy. You know, and I think part of the charm of this, um, to answer your earlier question, is we want someone who is really good at something, you know, someone who's competent, but not competent in the area they need to be competent mm. in, and yet manage to make it work anyway. Yeah. Uh, they, Sam, Sam doesn't have the skills to kill a thousand orcs. He doesn't have the skills to defeat the Dark Lord. But he's able to win by being loyal and being a good friend. We can turn on the pimp signal again, talk about my book. Um, he, I, I've got a little kid, 15-year-old kid, who's trying to kill a demon. This demon, I mean, he's not like a Buffy demon killer in any sense, um, but he is a really creepy kid. He's obsessed with serial killers. He has other talents that he is able to use to eventually defeat this guy. That was the main problem for me in coming up with this story in the first place was how on earth can I get this kid to defeat this super powerful demon. It didn't make any sense. I think the answer works fairly well. Yep. All right. Well, it's time to close down. Um, let's do some final words. Uh, we'll go to Howard first. Um, any final words? Uh, sure. Just to uh, echo, I think, what Nan said. When you're crafting your hero, um, make him interesting. Make her interesting. Give her flaws. Give him faults um, and, and abilities and competencies. And then when you establish a conflict, uh, make it difficult and find ways for this hero to use the things that they already know how to do to to save the day. But uh, don't don't make it easy. Okay. And then they will come off as heroic. Dan, any final words? Uh, just to, to reemphasize the competence thing, as Brandon can attest, um, in the many books I've written in my life, it took me four or five <laughs> books under my belt to realize that having a very flawed character wouldn't work unless he was also good at something. My characters were all losers who couldn't do anything, which I loved, but that doesn't really work. Okay. You gotta be good at something, no matter what it is or how right. small. My final words are uh, didgeridoo and rutabaga. <laughs> we'll come oh. back next week. Uh, thanks for joining us. This was Writing Excuses. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. 
Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. Locus. 